and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Kate Longhurst, Jesse Parker-Humphreys and producer Becky. It's our last World Cup preview show. We are finishing with England, of course, with so much excitement, so much hype and a hell of a lot of good times and good vibes ahead. But there are some pressing things that Jesse Pug Humphreys has to sort out before they travel to, the, to Australia. I want to know, hopefully you're going to find a suitcase, but I want to know what are your travel tips, your must-haves that you're packing? Because you're going out before any of us, before a lot of fans, for a lot of other people. What are you going to be packing? So the main thing I focused on is making a curated list of the books that I want to read when I'm in yeah. Australia. <laughs> so 10 books is all I've... You're packing 10 books. I know. I've yes. had this conversation with them so much. That's a lot of weight. I'm like, buy a Kindle, Jesse. Yeah. I'm going to take my iPad as well. And I've got books on. 10 but physical I'm, books I'm is crazy. I've been on my own for a really long time. What am I going to do with them? Read my book. Why yeah, don't you... But- what 10 physical books is insane is also what about a system in which you get some books there and leave them in the Airbnb to the next person I don't want to leave the books which I, want I to understand but well, this is why I think you need to get so that's all I packed so far I don't like reading so no pants no toothbrush just 10 books <laughs> I will take those I will things wear my books. <laughs> 10 books your passport your tickets to the World Cup who needs anything else that's it phone charger I'm done um, other essentials well I'm going to pack I'm go- well, I'm actually going to buy, I think, someone a new one, a hoodie, because everyone's saying it's quite cold mm. or it gets cold at night. So that's going to be important. The one thing actually, and this leads in quite nicely to today, that I haven't got and I don't know whether to try and get before I go is one of the England shirts. Mm. But you've got quite a few England shirts anyway. I know, but I feel like... What other shirts are you planning to pack? This has been going around my brain for a while. Like, I've got so many shirts. My, shirts would probably be my biggest issue. Forget books. It takes me about 10 months to read a book, so I don't need to worry about books. Flo but... needs to take one book. That's fine. <laughs> if any. You can I borrow think, one of Jessie's 10. I think the shirts for me is the biggest issue because I will go too hard on the shirts. I probably will take national team shirts that mm. I have. So I'm thinking England, I'm thinking Germany. I've got a nice Spain shirt, but we know Spain are the villains of this World Cup. So that's staying at home. (laughs) Netherlands, we'll take my Netherlands shirt. Mm. And then club ones? I don't know. Is it weird to wear? That's what I'm wearing right now. Look. Yeah, so you're going to take that? You should take that. Yes, I probably should take that. Yes. But is it weird? See, I hate when people wear the wrong shirt to a football match. Like, I so think, I could not bring myself to wear this to an Australia game. No, but I think you. I think I think, I think that's work. fine because I think when it's the cl- when it's got the name of a player and you're making that obvious connection, I think it's different if you turn up to a USA Portugal game in a Netherlands shirt. I'd be like, no. Yeah, that would be weird. I okay. think club shirts are fine, but maybe that's because I have quite a lot of nice ones. I'm like, I've got a nice PSG one that I could wear to a France game. You know, I think that makes yeah, sense. yeah, that makes sense. Or wear a Chelsea one to, to an England game. No, I apt no, absolutely. Oh, that's not. where you draw the line. Yeah, I just think that's weird. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> okay, well, I just find it. Now weird. I'm scared. If I turn up to a cl- game in a club, you're going to be like, "Get the hell out yeah, of here! Don't sit next to me." Um, no, so that's my rough plan. I think I'll probably gonna... take some studs T-shirts that oh, I've got there. Always love good that. crack. Yeah, silly gay But that's shirts. another one. It's like I've got too many studs T-shirts. Yeah, now. sorry. I have too many. Their lesbian like... Stacy is the T-shirt that I will wear for. I should wear yes. for Australia. Yeah, but yes. I've got the Arnold Clark Cup one as well. I mean, the Arnold Clark Cup one doesn't make sense. Don't leave that at home. Well, I kind of love it though. <laughs> well, I was like, there's so many. It's just too many to. Anyway, what are you going to be packing your preseason tour to Italy, Kate? Oh, uh, underwear. <laughs> Good. <laughs> A toothbrush. <laughs> 
some football boots because I'm going to be important, training. Important. Sun lotion because hey, I'll just get do you need underwear do you and need... <laughs> So you need in Italy. <laughs> do you need a good girls go to heaven, bad girls go to the Arnold Club Cup t-shirt to, to take to Italy because I, I can provide? I do think that would probably be quite high in demand. Yeah, yeah. Especially around Italy. They're probably like, yeah. where is that shirt? Yeah. <laughs> So maybe Signore yeah. Arnold Clark. Yeah. He's a legend to, over there. <laughs> might have to get quick and post me one if, if possible. Can do, can do. Yeah, thank you. Well, the good news is we did hear a few bits and bobs from the England players about what they're looking forward to and what they might be looking to pack in their suitcases to go to Australia. So we're gonna be hearing from some of the England players. During this preview show, Jesse and I went up to St George's Park to talk to a few of them. We're also obviously going to be chatting to them about their go-to karaoke songs because that is a counter-press favourite. So let's get stuck into our England preview after this. So let's start with where England are right now because they are in their base camp on the Sunshine Coast. There's been some updates, some nice pickies. They've been at the beach. They've been in... Their shorts and T-shirt, which has kind of messed with my mind because I know it's still warm in Australian winter, but there was a lot of sort of bring a light jacket, bring a coat, bring a jumper. But where they are, it seems to be boiling. It seems I to be peak. I think they're in like a nice part. Am I wrong? I think it's they're the sunshine the coast part because they are in the sunshine yeah. coast. But I think also the main thing is it's, it gets hot in the day, but it gets cold very quickly at night. Mm. So that's what I've heard so <laughs> the rumors i'm hearing the, the rumors on the street are bring a coat for when it gets dark and it gets dark early as yes neve charles pointed out to us that is sad yeah, yeah. well th- there are lots of reasons to be excited about the daytime beach vibes but also a bit scared of the winter nights <laughs> i don't know cold i don't know but it's just gonna get cold Shacked and dark by caitlin ford on the streets of melbourne <laughs> no you know it's just gonna get cold and dark but Let's talk about where this England preparations have been going because they've got one more behind closed doors friendly to come against Canada and that's their preparation done. I am feeling quite nervy about this England team partly because compared to last summer's Euros, obviously we've got the injuries which we're going to get into, but we just haven't had as much of a build-up and when I look at some of the friendly games and some of the sort of pre-tournament camps that other countries have been doing it makes me just a little bit nervous that England only had that game against Portugal which wasn't the best Um, and then we'll have this behind closed doors game against Canada compared to the leading that they had for the Euros and the number of friendlies that other teams are getting especially with Australia I'm just a little bit nervous Jesse do you think I'm overstepping the mark a little bit there? I think what's been made weird by it is the fact that the Canada game is behind closed doors because I feel like we you've got this sort of sense of like you kind of write it off because we're like, well, we don't know what's going to happen so we can't really like pass judgment on it. And I do think that's kind of an odd choice. Um, so I, I don't... I think it, there is obviously a balance that you've got to strike between playing games and giving players the opportunity to get match fit build those relationships back up, especially when you've not been playing for a long time and not wanting players to get injured or people to get too much of a look at you or to feel like you're, I don't know, peaking too early almost. I will say I think most people's pre-World Cup friendlies seem to have 
gone a bit random. So I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world to have like just drawn nil nil with Portugal and then be doing this this secret game against Canada. And I think maybe we talked about this after the the Portugal game itself, but not that England's group is easy. There's like all of the games I think will be hard, but I definitely think there's a sense that you can the way the World Cup goes, there is maybe an opportunity to to warm up into the World Cup itself through your group, um, which I think is a bit different to the Euros. Obviously, there's like a game less. Um, So I think all of that means that it's probably fine. I feel probably (laughs) fine about it. Kate, would you would you agree, though, that there is a different energy to this this summer with England for many reasons? But obviously, the fact that it's not a home tournament is on the other side of the world. It, it just will inevitably be a bit different. Yeah, it's going to be different. Um, I think as well, just not playing that many games. I don't know about the players there, but for me, it always takes like two or three games for me to feel ready to actually play football because it's a completely different type of fitness, even if you're just training and keeping yourself fit over the summer. Um, so that'll be interesting as well to see if players are actually match fit. Um but yeah, of course, they're away from home. They're not going to have the crowd support on such a high level as they did in England. Um, there's also a lot of expectation on them, probably a lot more media attention on them as well. Um, globally, not just from England. Uh, there'll be expectation from all over the world. Um, and there's also players that that weren't part of the Euro squad that are in there now. Uh, there's players that were, but have maybe like people like Millie Bright, who has been injured for quite a while don't know her level of fitness or how she's feeling um there's a lot of factors i think that that maybe i don't know you can't see their preparation from the outside looking in um but i think it would be very telling on their first game of of kind of where they're at we spoke to england goalkeeper ellie roebuck at the media day about the difference between last summer and this world cup here's what she had to say how does it feel to be at yet another major tournament with England? Is it nicer for this also not being a home tournament? Does that feel a bit more relaxing for you? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think obviously last summer there was huge pressure on that. Um, unfortunately, we, we delivered and, and really took that in our stride. And I think naturally there's always going to be noise and pressure around a major tournament. But for me, it's more the excitement of being able to do what I love and travel and, and see somewhere completely new, which is, is going to be amazing. Obviously, this year, as you don't have the factor of you playing in your hometown in Sheffield, do you miss that, though, not having like your family around and home fans as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we really kind of got everybody on board, didn't we, last summer? And it wasn't just families. I think just the general nation kind of came together. And I think... Hopefully we'll feel that from back home and I know my family are going to have some wild parties ahead. So, yeah, I'm sure they're they're super excited for it. So, yeah, Ellie Roebuck there noting that it will be different without that home crowd, um, but there's still an excitement about being there. Jesse, injuries has been a lot of the narrative about this England team. We know that We've talked about the impact of Leah Williamson's absence, Beth Mead not being there, Millie Bright coming back. But I actually feel like we've forgotten a lot about Fran Kirby because some of that comes with the fact that she's injured quite a bit and so therefore 
She never feels like a guaranteed place in this team because you don't know how fit she's going to be. But also perhaps it's the fact that, you know, she she is not as big a profile as Williamson, as Mead, especially over the past year. But it feels weird that we, we somehow have sort of forgotten about her absence and yet she could have the biggest impact on this England's team's performance at the World Cup. Firstly, I could never forget about Fran Kirby, so <laughs> I refuse to be labelled in this manner. Um, but I think you're right. I think, well, for me, she's the profile of all the injuries who's been hardest to replace, just because I think what she offers is is so unique. And it, it's not even just about her sort of on-ball ability and quality. I think she's a very consistent player when she's fit. I think she always brings a high level to games. And not only that, England are losing a really experienced player, someone who's been to a large number of tournaments with England. And I think when you're looking at that squad, you're kind of looking mainly to Lucy Bronze in terms of someone who's who's gone to tournaments and played a lot of tournament football. And I think that's actually a really underrated aspect of Kirby. I don't know whether it's because she's kind of got this baby face, but like, She's 30 years old. Like, she's been around. Well, she's also quite a, a quiet personality, I'd say. You know, she doesn't do as much media or brand stuff that Williamson and others do. So I think that's also kind of made her drift and stand still with time almost. <laughs> yeah, but obviously, like, 2015, that was, like, the big deal, right? That, great that hair. she got great hair for a start. Maybe that's why. If Fran Kirby had the haircut she'd had 2015 now, I guarantee we would talk about her more. Um, but, yeah, you know, like, being called up to the England squad while she was playing in, in what was then WSL 2. Um, yeah, I, it's tough. I think all of the injuries are going to f- affect England in different ways. And I think England's success will be... I mean, maybe this sounds obvious, but like obviously we based on how well they deal with them. I think there are certain players who are just a lot better placed to fit in. For example, if you're looking at a Chloe Kelly or a Lauren James going into that right wing slot vacated by Beth Mead, if you're looking at an Alex Greenwood or Jess Carter going to that slot vacated by Leah Williamson, those players I think feel like a much more natural fit than maybe Ella Toon, who I don't know if she has shown sort of the consistency and ability to really make that number 10 role her own. We saw Serena Wigman obviously try Lauren James there as well, who I thought looked a lot better in that position. So maybe that maybe that's what we'll get. We'll get Kelly on the wing and James as the 10. So there are still options for the role. But um, yeah, I don't think there's anyone who quite does what Frank Kirby does. Who would be your go-to in that role then? Would you go James over Toon or who would be your number 10 pick? I think it's tough and I think it depends on who... Starts as the striker, um, because I do think if Rousseau starts, there is an argument to play Toon just simply because they obviously know each other very, very well. They play together a lot. It it feels you can't neatly transpose relationships from club football into international football, but it feels silly to ignore the fact that they play with each other week in, week out, or at least used to. Um, So, but then I think if Daly starts, there'd be an argument maybe to to play Lauren James instead, you know, Daly's, I think, going to be someone who'll pin the defence a lot more than Russo, who's going to, who drops a bit more. And so I think that would open up the space for James, who I think really excels more, you know, slightly further back. She's not really like a 10 who's going to really crash the penalty area and make a lot of goal contributions. So I think it kind of depends on who Wiegmann picks as the nine. Let's let's talk about that nine spot then, because we talked about it after the Portugal friendly, because we saw one half with Daly, one half with Russo, and it's been a debate really ever since Ellen White retired. 
Beth England's quietly doing her thing. We'll get on to her in a minute. But Kate, for you, and obviously we know they offer very different things, but for you, who is your number one choice for that number nine pick? If you listen back to the podcast over the season, I've probably changed my mind about three <laughs> times. Uh, but right now, I would say Rach Daly. I just think you can't... When someone's in form and looking good and looking sharp, I just don't think you can ignore that fact. I think you need to play people that are like ready to go and ready to know where the, the back of the net is. And as much as I rate Russo, and listen, hopefully she can have the same impact she did in the Euros. Um but at the moment, I just don't think she's quite hitting the levels that Rachel Daly's hitting. Um, and I also think, you know, Beth England, again, uh, I don't think Serena will pick her. But I think you'd be stupid to not give her some minutes if we need a goal because, again, she's been fine in the back of the net. Um, but for me, I, th I think at the moment it has to be Rachel Daly. We spoke to Beth England about the fear of whether or not she would make the squad. Here's what she had to say. Be honest, were you were you fearful you were going to make this World Cup? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think, look at the strikers in this team. I think um, they both had uh, amazing seasons. Um, I'd not been involved since, what, September now. So I think for me it was kind of like, look, I can only do my best. I can, I've had to learn that I can only control the controllables and I put myself in a position where I did everything I could. I was proud of that. And if, if the call wouldn't have come, that it was good news then, like I say, I could have at least been proud to look at myself in a mirror knowing that I did what I could and it just wasn't meant to be. But thankfully for me, it was, and I got the call and here we are. Yeah, it does feel like Beth England has kind of been forgotten about in these conversations and she's a very seasoned pro. She's very competitive. She's extremely focused. But it is weird, I suppose, going into a tournament, Kay, and maybe you've had this when you've joined certain clubs, knowing am i going to get minutes like i'm i'm coming here and with that com like raw competitive personality within me i don't just want to be a bystander and in the euros she didn't get any minutes so do you think it's weird and hard for her now to go to the world cup and potentially face that again in a word no i i, I spoke to her after we played tottenham on the last game of the season and i said Look, I hope you get picked for the World Cup. Um, and she and was. And she did. Your parting words. I was, were, you know. And but I meant that genuinely because I think I she has been in really good form since she joined Tottenham, and she just wasn't getting the game time at Chelsea. It wasn't that she wasn't doing well, um, but her reaction was, "I don't think I'm going to get picked." So. I think for her, she will now come in with a different mentality of in the Euros, I think she would have expected to maybe get more game time. Whereas now, I think she's actually probably looking at it as I'm grateful to be here if I get minutes, try and take my chance. And I think it's probably the best way to be because you need to almost have a mindset of whatever your contribution is, whatever your minutes are, your value to the team, you have to make the most out of that. And I think the only person that it will affect if you're starting to worry or question, where's my game time coming? The only person it's going to affect is her and her standing within the team. So I think she knows she has a role to play in terms of, yes, I want to challenge in, in training and if I get any minutes, make the most of it. And I think she'll be grateful for that. And I don't mean that in a patronising way because I think she's a very good player and she deserves to be there. Um, but I think her mentality would have shifted because she's been out of the squad for so long. 
I think she'll be like, okay, I'm on the plane. I've done that part. Now what's the next step? And and that's how she has to be. And I still think she can play a huge part in, in the World Cup for England. It's just whether Serena actually trusts her and plays her. From an England perspective, in terms of England, the nation, not England. Say, yeah. um, it's also like, it's just kind of a great situation to be in. Like there's almost just an embarrassment of riches in, in that position. You know, it, we're talking about it kind of from best perspective, like, isn't it a shame that someone as good as Beth England like might not get any minutes? But you could say that about all, all three of the strikers, you know, and that's coming off the back whereby we actually had a different striker start every game at, at the Euros. So I think obviously from each of those individual players, they are going to want to feel like they're getting a fair opportunity to show what they can do. And maybe the thing that's hard with is the feeling that Beth hasn't had that, especially by not having been in recent squads. Like it's just like, we don't really know what she looks like with the team, but from sort of, you know, a squad perspective, it, it's kind of amazing to to sit here and say, wow, like really, I personally feel at least that any of the three of them, if they start, have the ability to to do a really good job. I think for me, that is a blessing and a curse because it's great to have the options. But in tournament football, you like that consistency. And we saw how great that was for England last summer, even if a few of us, including myself, were thinking don't start Ellen White in some of those games. But at the same time, it's that consistency which builds an identity, it builds patterns of play. And I think the shift from last summer has now been a sense of sort of confusion and a lack of understanding in some of these players who are starting or aren't as fresh or are stepping up because others are missing. And it's almost when you've got too many options, then you start to change and muddle around too much. And I would prefer actually... Now, if there is a consistent knowing this is going to be the go-to option and we're going to continue building with that until it works, whereas having two slash three makes it a bit messy for me. I think you don't know yet what that consistency is, but like Serena has showed that she is consistent in that way. Like she will pick like the same team um, like in the Euros and so, like, maybe we don't know what that is yet, but I think we will find out very soon and it will probably be consistent. Do you think she's going to pick the same person for every group game or every game? A group game is let's start with a group game, but... Yes. Jesse, what are you I thinking? I think so as well. And I do wonder if, because Daly started the Portugal game, that would be my hunch, would be that it is Daly. I can't remember. I meant to go and look up, like what the changes were in the games before the Euros. But she definitely started with, you know, she played those previous games with the Euro squad. But I can't remember when she put other people on because I think the 45-minute thing makes you feel like she it's undecided that yeah. it is between, because She's she gave go, them yeah. both the same amount of time. But equally, like Kate's saying with match fitness, maybe it isn't about that. It's just that she was like, I need to give you know, these two are like my... Daily's my starter, Russo's my person off the bench. I need to make sure they're both match fit, so I'll give them both 45 minutes. That's why it's hard to like... Yeah, basically you've got to be like the armchair psychologist around <laughs> Serena Vigman, don't you? Yeah, and I think she was very forthright with the fact that she wanted that consistency when it came to the tournament starting and the sort of fiddling around was always going to happen before because there were changes that she was making, like trying to explore different options, but she was still Yeah, well, Williamson back into, in defence, that 
that only changed right at and that the took sort of a lot of people hour. by surprise yeah. no one really saw that coming in in terms of that bit and then dropping stanway to sit alongside Kira Walsh a little bit more which was a you know perfect solution people maybe didn't see that one coming either so it worked out really well but it's interesting now trying to harness the depth and the unpredictability of it but also still give the team consistency which is the ultimate puzzle of being a football coach but that's why we love Serena because she's really good at getting it done let's talk about some really important stuff in England's choice of karaoke songs because we had to ask some of the team when Jesse and I went up to St George's Park about what their go-to karaoke anthems would be and I guess it's not surprising that some of the team went very big. And uh, we've been asking a few players, go-to karaoke song that you would do. Oh, I got asked this recently. And, um, oh, see, I'm a bit out there. It's, I do love doing a rap song. I do love a bit of rap. Um, but I think I would probably have to go for like a Proud Mary or something like that. Very generic, very crowd-pleasing and, and get it going. Hard to song, hard to sing, though. Uh, you can, you can, can handle it. You can cover it up a little bit with, like... The Don't dance, doubt like, that. You can, do, you can do, like, the dance moves so everyone else starts singing with True. it. So True. It's kind of a bit more than just stood there singing with a mic petrified. Yeah, you're right, you're right. I mean. Yeah. Um, Lost right. for words. <laughs> it's not often that happens. I was trying to think of a really good one, but actually, I feel like probably like a Mr. Brightside or something. Song That's a good, loves. solid song one. Everyone loves, everyone knows. It's got to be an easy sing song, right? You can shout it, can't yeah, you? Yeah, so it's easier. Do you know what? Do you know Never Too Much? Luther yeah, Vandross. Luther Vandross. That's your. That's yeah. like quite a bold That's hard. choice. That's hard, but it's an absolute banger, isn't it? So Can't disagree. Can't disagree. <laughs> it's great, yeah, definitely. Did you have to do like an induction song or anything like that when you came into camp? Luckily not, no, yeah. Not, not as of yet. I don't want to tempt fate, but okay. not yet. Uh, yeah, my go-to is I Will Survive, Gloria Gaynor. Me and my sister love that. Like, that's been like a Some of you guys song. are picking really top, like, belters to sing. Well, yeah, but it doesn't matter how you sing it. It's just about <laughs> the energy, isn't it? So that's been... That's my, mine and my sister's throughout my childhood. Like, every word. Yeah, wow. it's not about singing it well. It's about singing it loudly. So, guys, some very bold choices... Let's start with Beth England's choice of Proud Mary. We know it's a dressing room favourite with the England girls. We know it's a, a big dressing room favourite across the WSL. All of them are really quite hard. People are backing themselves. Yeah, for and the I love that. Only Mr. Them. Brightside, I feel like Jess. Can't but that's, that's that. just such a classic. Like that's going to get the crowd. Oh, I know. I'm going. saying it's a good pick because okay. I feel like you don't. You also just kind Oakley. of get to shout it. Yeah, yeah. 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 The you one can that, talk your way through. The one that really took me by surprise was Never Too Much. Luther Vandross, Katie Robinson. I just did not see that coming. It I, really It has totally changed my <laughs> opinion and gauge of what I thought her personality mm. was like. Isn't that odd that just one karaoke song pick can do that? In for a, a good person. way? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, fair. fair and play. She, she said she's yet to do uh, any sort of initiation song, so she knows what she can do if she has to, but she hasn't been called upon yet. But I think if she were to do that, I would be impressed to just go straight okay, to what the soul classics. Initiation songs have you had to do in your time Charlton one coming well, up well I did ask about Charlton and they don't do them <laughs> oh, oh thank god so you look a bit sad about it no I'm fine about that <laughs> I well and even at West Ham we didn't do them 
when I joined, but me and Jilly still did one two years <laughs> of later. Of course you did. Just the two of you. Because, well, you're not allowed to do them in pairs. We weren't allowed to, you have to do it on your I own. I just meant like just the two of you in a room oh, together yeah, performing no. for each other. We actually had mics and backing music and everything <laughs> wow. when we did it. Um, but I did Drunk in Love by Beyonce wow. and Jay-Z. Oh. With dancing so and water. Low. With water, so, <laughs> so you were doing both parts. Pour, pour Poured it on me, yeah. Wow, oh what a performer! Yeah. Kate, did you do both the Jay Z and Beyonce? I did, part? of course. <laughs> oh my god! What did Jilly do? Oh, what did she do? I don't know. You'll have to ask her when oh, she's not back. Not very in. memorable. Views. Well, it would be something shouty. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> wow, is that an impression? <laughs> um, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Neve Charles going with another big one. I will survive, Gloria Gaynor. Who broke your heart, Neve Charles? <laughs> it's just oh, big, big. I think taking these people are taking on the divas, the pop divas. I rate that. I write that by they Neve. They back themselves. Seriously. Um, when we win the World Cup, obviously, going to happen. Big karaoke night out with the Lionesses. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That would be so good for the counter-press brand. If you know how, like, that chicken shop person yeah. gets everyone in chicken shop, if we can Took get everyone, everyone to go to karaoke. That would like, be that really yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. make it happen. Let's talk about Katie Robinson as well, because she is the new kid on the block in this team she's made it through to being an, a nice sort of like joker in the pack for England quite quickly coming from almost obscurity to now being uh, part of the England squad Jesse, I know you've you've rated her pretty highly ever since she arrived at Brighton but this is quite the acceleration in the space of one season yeah I think she's obviously very talented um I think again someone who you're like I mean, to be fair, maybe she will get minutes. She has like sort of popped Serena up. Serena really likes her. Yeah, and I think also that kind of speaks to maybe what I think is sometimes hard to, to appreciate about Vigman's management, but I think also what makes her very good is she looks for the profiles of players that she wants and then she judges whether players fit that. And I think we've seen that with the Maya Letizia thing, for example, obviously someone who's sort of lost out by not actually being in the 23 because Vigman is like... I see her as being a right back and I don't think she's good enough to be right back for England. And and that's one where it's maybe a bit harsh. But then you look at someone like Katie Robinson, who's kind of really benefiting off clearly Vigman feels like she does exactly what she, she wants from, from a winger. Um, and yeah, I, like, I think it's really, I think it's really exciting. And, and I hope she does get to see some game time because I think it'll be an amazing experience for her. And I think, yeah, she's clearly a, a very, very talented player it'll be interesting to see um whether she's still at Brighton next season I kind of want her still to be at Brighton next season I just feel like it would be a shame for her to go to a bigger club and maybe lose out on minutes when you know she's kind of come back from serious injury this has been her first sort of big season um but yeah I mean what what a way to to round off a really exciting sort of debut WSL season Yeah, we spoke to her at the media day about an incredible year from her, having come from a lone spell at Charlton to now being part of the England team. And you've been involved in England for a little while now. How have you adjusted to kind of moving up into that senior squad, especially since you weren't part of this group for the Euros? So is it a bit of a kind of weird situation for you? Like, can you actually believe it's real? Yeah, I think it's been quite a whirlwind of a year. Um, Yeah, you know, I was only on loan a year ago at Charlton. So um, to be going here, it's amazing. And yeah, it shows a lot what hard work can do. Um, But yeah, obviously it's, you know, the age groups prepare you for the seniors. So it's not like there's massive, massive differences. But yeah, I'm just really happy to be, be here. 
did you ever imagine you'd be playing this summer? Uh, I think if you asked me a year ago, definitely not. Um, but, you know, I feel like I've had a good season um, and, yeah, my place in the squad. Where did you watch the Euros last summer? Um, I was actually um, just in a in a local pub with my partner, so yeah, we were just watching it there, which is which is nice. And did you go to any games? I uh, yeah, I went to a few of the Brighton ones because that's where, where I play. So yeah, I went to some of them ones. And were you watching those, thinking like I want to be on that pitch next year, or were you just not really thinking about it? Uh, I think obviously it's always in the back of your mind. You, I wanted to be a part of this team at some point. You know, did I think it's probably going to happen that quick? Maybe not. Um, but yeah, of course, I'm, I'm buzzing to be here. Finally, we have to hear from the England players about what they're looking forward to doing in Australia, including what the hell Katie Zellum's going to do about her lashes. I need to ask about lashes and nails while you're out in Australia. What are you <laughs> That's guys? Literally, go- what I was going to What are you guys going to do about it? Have you found Googled anywhere that you can go? Like, what's the plan? Yeah. Well, I'm going to get all my new maintenance. Okay. Um, before we meet up for the next camp for, okay. for a departure and then when I'm there so anyone listening to this if you're a good eyelash person good yeah. lash tech in Sydney drop me a message I've got a friend out there and I'm like ask your friend's girlfriends where they get their lashes done yeah you've got to put, put a little shout out for who the best people are Twitter do your work I'm sure we can source yeah. sources I, for you and I'm a big researcher so I like go on scroll their Instagram you know oh don't like them get them off the list carry on looking I'm uh, you need like Tinder for nail techs so yeah, you can like... nice. <laughs> let's talk about some of England's group mates next right I want to start with Haiti because that is going to be England's opening game on Saturday the 22nd where they start the tournament Jesse couldn't probably be a better first game for England because they're getting a nice opportunity to warm up into things. We know that there's some exciting young talent in this Haiti team, but it's their first World Cup. They have very little funding and resource. They have battled against a horrible time in their country, a horrible time with their federation. They haven't been able to even play games at home because of what's going on in Haiti. So them being here is huge, but you would see this first game as a massive opportunity for England to try and kind of stamp some authority and get some confidence at the World Cup. Yeah, I think for all of that, it feels like a great first game that also then becomes like potential banana Banana skin. skin. (laughs) The expectations do rise. There will be an expectation that it is sort of a comfortable multiple goal win. Um, And like you've kind of hinted at there, like Haiti do have their own goal goal threats as well in in Dumane I think she's she's shown that she can score against very very good opposition and she doesn't always need a lot of help from the players around her either um so I feel like England need to be aware that there are threats and they will like I don't think they're going to take this lightly but it does feel like a game where you're like okay you want to get some goals quickly early on in the first half and then kind of everyone can just relax into the World Cup from there because you know if you go in at half time nil nil I feel like that's the point when everyone starts to think oh my god like this is our easy one Um, and obviously not ideal. Let's then move on to Denmark because they probably are England's biggest threats in this group and one a game that England will be nervous about especially if they don't do well in that opening game against Haiti this could be a game that they really have to win. They struggled last year at the Euros and they've got a very exciting squad on paper, Kate. But I personally feel like this could be another 
disappointing Denmark performance at a major tournament, but I don't know if I'm just getting high on the England supply. But I just feel like I I, I see Denmark going through as runners-up, but I do, do still see England dominating this matchup. Yeah, it'd be an interesting game. I think Denmark have done quite well in the last few games. Um, I know they've beaten Sweden, they've beaten Norway. They're not easy games to win. Um, and then I think their last warm-up game was Spain. Um, and it, I don't know, with Denmark, they're kind of a weird one because I always feel like they're a small nation, but they have some good players and some exciting players. And... Um, you know, I know Emma Snurler from, from West Ham and what an exciting player she is. I really hope she can get some minutes. Whether she starts games, I don't know. But um, they have some really exciting players and I do think they have enough to cause problems for England. Um, but I just don't know if they're consistent enough and, and good enough to kind of break England down. Um, I do think they probably will go through just because of the, the teams in the group. Um, but... I feel like they can do a little bit more in tournaments and, and especially since they got to a final um, a few years ago, they've kind of just dropped off and not really progressed from there. So, yeah, I, I don't really know. I, I think they're one of the teams where I don't really know what to expect from them. Jesse, am I being too harsh on Denmark? I was just so disappointed in them in the Euros. And they had a really tough group, to be fair, but it was like this ultimate sort of transition mess for them. And they probably have players coming into more of, the, of a rhythm for this World Cup than they did. But I still feel like they're going to underwhelm me. I think at the Euros, they tried too hard to put everything through Penilla Harder. And I understand why they did that, because she is their best player and she is very good. But I felt like it became too easy for teams just to basically put a couple of players on Harder. And Denmark didn't really offer much else. I think that was a shame because I don't think that reflected the quality of the squad that they do have. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how Harder gets used within this team. I will say I think Harder looked a lot better at the end of, of last, at the end of the most recent season we've had. I feel like she looked a lot fitter and, you know, obviously she had that hamstring surgery which kept her out for most of the season and, and who knows kind of like how fit she maybe was at the Euros. Um, she certainly looked by the end of last season like the fittest I'd seen her since she came to England. So maybe she'll find it easier. Um, as you said, they they were in a really hard group. You know, like Spain and Germany are, are two teams who are who are gonna be able to mark players like harder out the game. Maybe that they will feel that Haiti, China aren't maybe at the same level. Even might even think that about England. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I think the key thing for Denmark will be like to play more as a team because they have the quality, they have the players um, to do that. And I think they, yeah, I think they could make a they could make an impact at the tournament. China, another team. I'm getting silly hype on just because <laughs> something I read something and I suddenly think they're going to change the world. Is there a team you don't have silly hype on? <laughs> no, Denmark. But I'm, I'm really rooting for some of the small guys and that's China's why... China's not a small guy. They've been to a World Cup final. Yeah, but historically, like they're, they're very good at sort of reaching the quarterfinals recently, but they haven't gone beyond the quarterfinals since they got to that final, right? Yeah. No, but every World Cup they've qualified for, they've reached the knockout stage. 
but they haven't gone beyond that. So I, I put them in the sort of like medium guy then. Not the really little guys like South Africa, like Zambia, but the medium guy, shall we say? I say I like top medium. Sleeping up Giant. A, up and, ooh. Sleeping Giant is a good one. I like that. But they haven't managed to reach the same heights that they did in They should the have 90s. won that 1999 final. They anyway. should. And read Flying flying <laughs> Geese if you want to find out why. Uh, yeah, so for some reason, I'm just the, the, there's a really nice narrative around China. That's England's final game of the group. And I've become slightly obsessed with this team. Not only did we have the iconic recent Prada suit drop, which just only intensified my good vibes and feeling around this team, but they also have... A bit of a former legend leading them this tournament, uh, Shui Kingjai, who is a five-time Women's Asian Cup winner and Olympic silver medalist. So she's kind of a, a local hero. She has been head coach since 2021 and she's elevated what was already you know, a decent team by winning the 2022 uh, Asia Cup, their first Asia Cup in 16 years, and they beat South Korea in that. Um she was recently named Chinese Football Coach of the Year. And I feel like the vibes, the vibe on is going up. And I think they're going to challenge Denmark for runner-up spot in this group. And that would be massive, getting out of this group at Denmark's expense. Obviously, their record of getting out of groups is very good. But looking at this group, it's actually quite a tough one. Yeah, I think anyone who sort of feels like England and Denmark are gimmies to get out of this group are, are, yeah, sort of ignoring China's both their recent success and their pedigree. Because I do think, you know, you probably feel different as a nation if you feel like you you always do that, you know, in the same way that we're talking about teams making their debuts at the World Cup that, you know, for them, part of it is just like soaking up the, the experience. This China team, like, that's not what it's about for them. Like, they, they know exactly what they're doing. Um, and I think they're, they're definitely a team who probably suffer for not having as many players who play say in Europe and the US so people kind of overlook them but also you know the Chinese league has has been very good and I think when we've seen players who've come out of the Chinese league and played in Europe and played in the US you've seen that what the level has obviously been there in terms of like their quality um so yeah I think I, I can see why you're high on the the vibometer I think they're a team I'm, I'm excited to watch and excited to get to see we should actually maybe create our counterpress individual vibometers about who we're interested in because mine would just be like China, Zambia, South Africa. And then I feel like everyone else would have quite like straightforward, logical picks. And but I would just say the vibometer is different. Like we had this conversation on the other preview. It's like being a good team doesn't mean that you have good vibes. Like Germany, vibeless, but like one of the favourites. Mm. So are we is it like a combination of both like the vibe and how we think they're going to do, or is it simply... It's a vibe equation. Yeah. <laughs> Am I doing maths here? V or? plus P equals... <laughs> What's the P? Oh, I was like performance, oh but now I've said that, I'm like, oh. I was going to say vibes <laughs> very plus... very secondary school. Vibes, vibes plus performance equals counter-press picks. Right. We, can, yeah. we can make these. We should do that, actually. Okay. Make a little graphic. Everyone picks sort of like five teams that are a combo of fun, could cause a splash, but also like actually think might do well and see where we Switzerland come out. Switzerland, the top of my vibometer. Yeah, you're really mm. feeling that's one mm. I'm like, why? But I then mean, you're the saying that I about China it, for me. The more I sit on it, the better I feel about it. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to play this back <laughs> and see how China lose every game, South Africa lose every game, Zambia lose every game. 
but you know that's that's football, eh? You got to put your neck out on the line. You got to put your neck out. Let's take risks. Counter press is all about these hot, spicy takes. <laughs> um, before we go, I want to just ask everyone what they think. Firstly, is realistic for this English te- England team. What do they think? Like how they think they will actually do, but also what is par? What is the minimum that they have to do in order for this tournament to be seen as not a failure? So, Kate, firstly. How do you think they will actually do? Oh, that's not a very positive sigh. Because I don't want to be pessimistic, but I think semis. And I think realistically, because the side of the draw they're on quarters is bare minimum. Is that... Yeah. yeah. Okay, you had really deadpan faces. <laughs> like, no, I think, yeah. I, to be honest, I'm something. feeling similar. I think semi-finals has to be seen as par. I think there is a realistic expectation that they could get knocked out in the quarterfinals if that Germany situation happens. So I'm sort of mentally preparing for that. My expectation is probably semi-finals. I am putting my neck on the line Ooh. and I think they'll make the final. Whoa! And then wow. lose or win? Lose. To the USA. USA. No. Jesse, for God's that's, sake. That's what, that's what the vibes is giving me. Lose to Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> Lose to that South Africa. <laughs> I think par would be quarters. I think I understand why there's a feeling like you'd expect England to get to the semi-finals. They reached the semi-finals of the past four international tournaments. And maybe to that extent, that, that is the expectation. But I just think given where this team is, both in terms of injuries and in terms of age profile like I think the average age of this team is like one and a half years younger than what it was at 2019 um I just think realistically given the games they have to play if they did go out in the quarters I I don't think that would be like a massive failure on on England's part I think that just might be a bit of the reality but that doesn't matter because I've got them making the final (laughs) (laughs) Becky um yeah I agree I think that um if you took it Without knowing the draw, if the draw hasn't been made yet, you would say semi-finals because like, even Phil Neville took us to a semi-final, for mm. God's sake. But you look at those teams that we would likely play in the quarter-final and I think no one's going to be mad about it if we lose. No one's going to look at that and be like, we definitely should have beaten a team like that. So, I mean, I hope... I don't know. I just... This whole... Every time we've... We've done four previews this week. We did a live show on Sunday and every day I've thought about it and I've just thought, I don't fucking know what's going to happen. <laughs> what a great punditry. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have you on the show. I've thought Thanks. about it deeply, guys, and I cannot I cannot tell you. So Becky's just going for the, the journey. Yeah. I respect that. I respect yeah. that. Football, hey? Hell of a game. Can't get cancelled if you don't <laughs> say anything. <laughs> that is the last of our preview shows, guys. What a week. Make sure you listen to all the others that we've done. We had the first previews of the groups in the week of our USA special and then finally leaving you all with the England special that I hope got people excited and not England fans feeling slightly sad and depressed about You were the one that team. asked us that question at the end. That I should know. have been in the beginning and then we could have hyped up by the end. Yeah, but I feel like you've got I'm here, I'm hyping. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry hyping. you are. But we will be back next Thursday reacting to the opening games. Oh my God, of you'll the be World in Australia, Jesse. Cup. So I might Jesse will be, be still in the air. be in the air. Okay, yeah, but, but I will voice note you from the Hello Kitty <laughs> oh, thank bit you. of Taipei thank yes. God. Airport. That is the update that everybody's waiting for. Oh, yeah, no one cares what happens in those first two games. <laughs> um, I, d- I sent this to Jesse, but I got a TikTok of like someone in Taipei 
airport and I was like, how does it know? Like and they were drinking 9% content. beer yeah. at 3 a.m. And I was like, Ooh, In the Hello me. Kitty shop? No, no in oh. the 7-Eleven. But okay. I didn't know there was a 7-Eleven. Cool. Huge, huge. You should go on TikTok and have a look for Taipei Airport content. I will. Also, Vietnam beat Chinese Taipei in their qualification game for the World Cup. So it's a bit of history right there in that airport. What? I mean, the game didn't <laughs> happen didn't in, in the airport. airport. But, you know, I just think <laughs> that would have been amazing. Other Chinese Taipei fun facts for you that are World Cup related, and there you go. I have packed one of my books is called Taipei, which I've read before, but I'm going to reread on the flight. Okay. God. You said a Thrilling. <laughs> Honestly, I do not have enough time in my life to read one book yet. Yeah, I'm reread another one. Jesus. Just read 10 books in Australia. I might not read them all. It's just like, I don't like have, knowing I have to read this one next. I like having options. options and they're yeah. all Australia and New Zealand themed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, the curation on this bad boy. Yeah. Right. Well, we'll be back on Thursday finding out about how Jesse's packing and flights went. See you then.